0: Welcome to the Scarlet Tears Podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back to the Scarlet Tears Podcast.
1: Woo-hoo. My name is Amanda.
0: I'm Lindsay. And I'm Isabel.
2: And Isabel, start us off for this podcast.
0: What are we doing yeah. today?
2: So, today we're talking about the lovely Rupert. And a little bit about the actor who plays him, Andrew Gower, and we have a little surprise because we have a guest tonight, and it's the man himself, Andrew Gower, welcome to our podcast. Hey. Ooh, welcome
0: Andrew! Hey.
3: <laughs> hey, 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 thank you for having me guys, and congratulations on this podcast, and so thank you, lucky to be on board.
2: <laughs> thank you for making the time. Um, I also have the pleasure of introducing you. Uh, we figured I have the easiest job doing this. So, Andrew, you are an English actor from Liverpool or you were born near Liverpool and you graduated from the Oxford School of Drama 12 years ago.
3: Wow. 12 years ago. Yeah, I know.
2: (laughs) And the same year you won the Spotlight Prize, which is a very prestigious prize for actors because only the best Graduate from, um, UK drama school wins this one. And that's just one every year. Yes. So, um, uh, belated congratulations to that.
3: <laughs> Bless you, Thank you.
2: <laughs> and, uh, you quickly established yourself as a versatile actor with a really impressive CV. Um, you've been in shows like Black Mirror, Paul Dark, and of course Outlander. I think a lot of people will know you from Outlander. And you also dipped your toes into 19th century crime-solving with a gastrol on Murdoch Mysteries, and uh, where you played a man who believes himself to be Sherlock Holmes. And I was always hoping for a crossover between Murdoch Mysteries and Miss Scarlet and the Duke, because that would have been funny. Yeah. My mm-hmm. kind of funny. <laughs> um, almost to the day 10 years ago, uh, 9 years and 11 months to be precisely, you wow. first appeared as a vampire solicitor cuddler, Nick Cuddler, on Being Human, and that's the first time I saw you in anything. Whoa. So, um, yeah, the rest is history,
3: as oh. they say. <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah, ten years.
3: Mad. Ten years. Ten years. That is mad.
0: Guess so. you didn't realize you were that old,
3: huh? <laughs> no, I know. I, I mean, this is a. This is all. Um, I'm gonna have to. Check the uh, date of birth on my passport again, just to make sure, (laughs) just so it all hits home. No, don't do
2: that. I never do that. (laughs) So, a little known fact is that you're also an accomplished musician. You had your own band, Emerson, when you were a teenager, and you were quite successful, like touring all the northwest of England, and you played at the um, club where also the Beatles played in Liverpool. Yes. Um I forgot the name. Cavan. The Cavan. Uh, yes. The cabin. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you also aspire to become a professional football player. Oof. So <laughs> how come you're an actor now?
3: Um I think my common answer to this usually is because at school it was kind of the the th- this sort of alternative that gave me the same thrill and I think I've spoken about it I don't know whether to yourself before but to a lot of people that you know I'm constantly drawing comparisons between actors and footballers and and you know the kind of living in the moment on the football pitch was kind of very similar to how I feel in acting at times I mean very very different obviously but that was my at school anyway that was my my next step was basically my my English teacher told me that I'd make a rather good Fagin in, in uh, Oliver. Um, I played Fagan in Oliver Twist and then, and then the next minute I was applying to drama school secretly. Um, and yeah, and ended up getting into the Oxford School of Drama, which, you know, again, that's one of the things we're talking about age. And you're telling me that it happened 12 years ago. It feels like honestly for like five minutes ago that I was even in drama school and like an 18 year old egg that hatched into a chicken basically at drama school that's what my principal said that I was it came to drama school as an egg and hatched into a chicken which isn't the best uh,
0: <laughs> metaphor for, <laughs> for
3: for appearance ever but but I did feel like an egg at drama school and I and I didn't understand the the extent to which you know you know even today reading acting books it's you can never be similar to football you can never I truly think you're the best footballer in the world you can never I don't think there's any best actor in the world the best actors are all down to opinion and the best footballers are all down to opinion and that's what I love about both acting and and football still to this day you know every it's it's games of opinions and games of uh, and professions of opinions so um and art is always down to people's opinions so that's yeah that was my to go back to the beginning that was my uh journey into acting, failed as a footballer, and uh, lucky to get into drama school at, at 18, was 17, um, and then, yeah, and then graduate and realize, you know, how lucky I am to be doing something I love.
0: How did you get involved in Miss Scarlet and the Duke?
3: Mm. I mean, I, so I was thinking, I, I, I had a funny feeling being on the Miss Scarlet. scholar tears podcast that you might ask me that question (laughs) this morning when I was brushing my teeth I I had a weird thought that I actually and I don't think anybody I've touched on this before either with Declan or Rachel that I when when auditioning I actually I had I was sent sometimes casting directors can do this because maybe they really wanted Maureen Duff really wanted me in the show I don't know what it was but they sent me two characters And actually, one of the characters I, this is, this is, uh, one of the characters I was sent was, um, oh, the opening episode, the bad guy in the opening episode who doubles. What's his name? Um,
1: Joseph Sims.
3: Yes. There we go. Fantastic. Joseph Sims. But I, but because I, because I was so, um, smitten with Rupert, uh, I, I ended up turning up to the audition and just, didn't ref- I? I sort of just said, "Look, I, I've just honed in on this character. I'm not interested, really. Uh, not because Joseph Sims wasn't a wonderful character, just because Rupert was. For me, sometimes characters jump off the off the page. Um, and there was a couple of scenes they sent me for Rupert, and I think I chose another section that wasn't quite there and added a little bit in. And and yeah, the rest is history. So, yeah, a bit of an interesting thought I had this morning. God, actually, I'll bring that up that I am um, Initially I was sent both characters to audition for, um, not saying I would have got Joseph Sims. Um, I think I was always destined to play Rupert, but, um, yeah. And I fell in love with the character of Rupert. And that's the, yeah, after, off, off taping with Maureen and, and, and team, I, uh, the next time I found out about the character, I was over in Ireland having costume fittings and meeting the team. And that was wonderful wow yeah so
0: what was it
1: about Rupert that that kind of drew you to him because obviously if you've only got a few kind of pages or lines or scenes to look at you did Mm. did you know that he was going to be gay and and that kind of stuck out or
3: yeah yeah you know yeah that that was the to play to play somebody who has to hide their sexuality in Victorian society just you know unfortunately still the case in a lot of countries in the world and there's people close to me who, who, you know, who grew up in the sixties in the, in, in London, in Liverpool, who suffered very similar suppression. And that's something I've always wanted to portray. And, you know, it's, um, although it's a, co- although, you know, Miss Scarlet and the Duke is a fun, um, lighthearted detective show following some lovable characters and Rupert is, you know, luckily being considered one of those characters that people people like on screen it's still an issue that i feel really strongly about and you know and feel lucky to be able to uh portrayed a story and offered a offered a version of that um and yeah that was that was the that was one of the things that drew me in and just also rachel's rachel's writing like i i still think the first scene the first scene where um at the end of the episode i she thinks I'm proposing to her and it's all twisted on its head i think that's i think I think that was the scene for me that was so well written and I could visualize it and when stuff like that happens to me i I like to consider myself like I like to be physical in the space and it, when I'm acting and I could see the opportunities of of character to add to that scene and I was determined to make that part mine.
0: We're really yeah. glad you did.
3: <laughs> yeah, we are.
0: <laughs> did you look into Victorian views on homosexuality for the role?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I I know of um, many a many a film, or you know, Oscar Wilde's uh, Rupert Everett film. Um, and you know songs written about it in fact one of the one of the songs I use for Rupert I always find something that I hone into as a character and there was a there was a book uh Isabel knows of my my bibles that I have for characters or or certain things I hone into for characters because we've spoken about it before but this um this specific character there was a song and it's called the boy I love is up in the gallery and it's um it's an Oscar Wilde. Uh, it's used in the Oscar Wilde film by Rupert Everett. And that just stuck as a song for Rupert and was played in my trailer almost every day. It's a kind of very jolly, beautiful, angelic voice. But then beneath the message, you know, is is a secret hidden love and never truly being able to be your uh, true self Um and yeah, the many, lots of literature I've read in the past, again, that, that sparks my intrigue of, of, of that time. And, you know, there's many other projects I've, I've been lucky enough to, uh, look up Victorian etiquette in. Um, and it was very ingrained in me having been on season one of Carnival Row. So it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a nice sort of osmosis to understand that society and then play somebody who is, who is unfortunately, uh, suppressed in in that society
0: Mm -hmm. you talk about the high society and etiquette
3: yeah
0: did you have an opportunity to research other than what you did with carnival row about the victorian high class what a person would look like for rupert how did Mm. you research
3: more Uh, i mean i was well I was determined to add some facial hair to Rupert when I when I took that part, <laughs> um, but not a full beard. I think the mustache was the the mustache was a um, a, a lovely choice with me and the makeup team. The then mustache was, was key yeah. to Rupert's character. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like, yeah, I mean, but look, the nice thing is sometimes with every if I if I was to go back and do etiquette again, myself and Kate were talking about this because we both. You know uh luckily being in a lot of period dramas, and sometimes you you need to find a new different point of focus there's this thing in acting which I which I call the a, a point of focus, and that is if you're doing a scene seven times on set you you should if you want to freshen it up, you think of a different point of focus in the scene so you know it can be if there's multiple characters, maybe change your focus onto this person or you know, it could be a feeling of feeling like a cloud, whatever it is, as many points of focus. Anyway, I'm baffling. But my <laughs> point for this job is my point of focus had to change on a whole to play Rupert because actually I I had so much Victorian ingrained in me to go back into the etiquette stuff was actually would have been pointless. Um, I think I, oh, because it was ingrained in me and I felt like I was bringing it, the uh, distance between doing Carnival Row and, Starting the Scarlet and the Duke well, it was a matter of like a month or so. So it was, um, it was, yeah, the, the, the work I took that my knowledge and then added different points of focus as Rupert, because, you know, otherwise you can, I, I'd probably be Victorian out and have too much Victorian etiquette going through my, my blood and that. Would probably lead to a piece of wood turning up with a mustache <laughs> on set, uh, and we don't want that to happen. No, you, oh, you could ever turn job. up as a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> I I could never. No, no. no. Well, there, well, no, well. If I ever, if I ever do turn up as a piece of wood, I'll make sure that um, yeah, you guys are the first to see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> isabel but will I, give you an honest opinion. Don't yeah, worry. she will. She
3: always does. She always does our first pictures of piece of wood on the, on our website on, on the wonderful website
1: so, so did Rachel and Declan give you any like advice of, of how Rupert should be or any direction and, and and what kind of helped you there
3: um always always direction always nuggets of gold from Declan on set the beauty of Rachel is I think Rachel's writing speaks for itself and if there was ever a problem Rachel would come in and Emphasize a certain line or a certain pronunciation or, you know, what, what is the, what is the crux of that scene? But actually the beauty of the script is, and for a lot of characters, I feel is we were given free reign to take the script and really make characters four dimensional. Um, at best three dimensional, but four dimensional, I'd say. Um, and yeah, it was like, that's a really exciting thing to have showrunners and directors who who allow you to play in the space and trust that you have the character. And that was, um, that was the, that was, uh, really exciting for me on this, on this, um, on this set to be able to play and find traits that, um, they, they enjoyed as a team. And, uh, yeah. And from Rachel and Declan, no, like no, no major things that stick out in my head, just constant, you know, encouragement and take it further or, you know, yeah. Lovely, like freedom of being able to play as my, as my character.
0: Was Rupert's giggle your idea or Declan or Rachel's?
3: Rupert's giggle.
0: Yeah. Because I loved, like he would blush and like have a little giggle. And I love that about his character.
3: Um. So I think, I think, the uh the giggling usually in a script it says Rupert laughs or Rupert I think you have a stage direction maybe or or maybe just in the moment I I mean I'm trying to recall my giggles oh yeah with um yeah I think it's usually with Eliza like you guys would
0: have like a secret little thing you would do and you would just kind of
3: be very pleased with one another and yeah see that that's that's just that's obviously something i i chose for you the did. time of myself and 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 Eliza's yeah yeah well it's cuz you're brilliant so i assumed oh. it was you bless you amanda thank you well i mean it's, <laughs> you're it's welcome. A, a lot of the ta- a lot of the time it's it's written in the scripts you know Rupert laughs or da-da-da. but um yeah the the choice of giggle was was probably my my own my own giggle and I thank Kate, I thank Kate for that also <laughs> Kate, <laughs> Kate helped the giggle
2: um Helen Norton, who plays uh, Mrs. Parker, Rupert's yes. mother.
3: what an amazing actress
2: oh yeah, amazing, and amazing. she's brilliant, and yeah. I might have a bit of a girl crush on her, but Aww. anyway. <laughs> She mentioned that it was uh, that it's usually difficult to launch into a mother son son relationship when you don't know the other actor, and obviously, you two didn't know before, but um, that you had some interesting character chats and that it helped. What was that like, and what sort of chats were they?
3: Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's interesting because that's yeah, we we one of the first scenes where I met Helen actually was um was the uh funeral of uh eliza's eliza's father mm. um and i mean it was a lucky coincidence i mean scheduling coincidence that we were all in on the same day and myself and helen were crammed into the back of the car together because we've all seen helen's dresses they're very impressive <laughs> and uh, yeah there's not much room in a car with that dress and and the hat so um so we were we were laughing in the back of the car and yeah, we had some nice discussions and also it's just very important to touch base with another actor you're gonna you know go through the mill with and you know open up with and and, and spar with and and it was it's was quite i don't know whether it's to do with me being from liverpool and her uh, being irish but we really um we really had a common ground and a nice um just felt very at ease straight away and and then that you know i kind of allowed quite conscious quite consciously allowed Helen to talk about how we are as as mother and son um because whatever whatever my mother says goes basically so it was (laughs) so it was that kind of thing in my head I was like okay so what do you think about this and 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 I'll follow suit um and that's, yeah. And, and the wonderful thing about working with Helen, though, is, is that, you know, one minute she's Mrs. Parker and the next minute she's Helen and the two are very, um, polar opposites. And it's so wonderful to watch somebody transform on screen. And yeah, she's, she's marvelous. Uh, and it was a very, very easy, um, transition into playing her son and being, being, uh, on screen with her. So yeah, very lucky when you, when you are cast opposite somebody like
2: that, some of the cast did some <clears throat> um, Christmas messages for the Scarlet tears and oh. Helen Helen did one as well, and she she did that switch between Helen Parker and Miss uh, Helen Parker Helen Norton and Missus Parker, and it was amazing. Wow. I loved it. Yeah. Um, did meeting any of the other cast change or help your thoughts or opinion on Rupert or how you portrayed some scenes?
3: Um, always, if you're a fundamental of a scene is to listen, um, is to, is to do all your, there's a quite wonderful thing is to go and Everybody goes and prepares their character and prepares the scene. And that's from the director, the DOP, the, uh, you know, make up, uh, all the actors, you go into your own space and you envisage your next day on set or the next scene you're going to be in. So yeah, the, the, the sheer act of being, turning up and being open and bring your stuff in, but then have an imagination and being able to listen. Yeah, every single person on that set um, changed my performance and brought out the giggle or the or mm-hmm. the sadness or the whatever, you know, whatever it is. It's always dependent on the scene in the day, but every, every performance changed me, yeah. Changed Rupert, I should say.
1: I mean, I, I love the scenes with Tilly Hildegard. I just think Amy McAllister who played her was just amazing when you think a lot of her scenes she didn't actually have any lines and it was very much kind of her face that really sold it and as one of maybe the more secondary characters she just really stood out for me and we just wondered was it hard to kind of keep serious with with all her different facial expressions because yeah, you guys are kind of having to do everything and she's just so serious. And every time I watch it, it just cracks me up the whole time.
3: Yeah. Uh, she's fantastic, Amy. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to keep a straight face because to be honest, Rupert, for a lot of the time is, is sort of his focus is else, elsewhere. Like, yeah, it's a little bit on her, but he's, he almost, he he plays a lot of stuff out and she, he's, um, he kind of is, yeah. My intentions in those scenes are so strong to sort of, and so selfish, really. Rupert's intentions with with Tilly are so selfish. Um, he's very selfish, Rupert. He is. He's lovable, but my God, is he selfish? Um, and rightly so, because you know he's got he's got his own agenda going on. Um, so no, actually, because my, yeah, my my selfish intentions were so were so strong in those scenes. Actually, my focus was was. Uh, was either on other people or, or on her to, to give me something that I need, um, which she could never quite give me. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so so, um, although on, um, you know, watching it, watching the series, yes, she was, uh, I don't watch much of myself, but one of the stuff I've seen in ADR of, uh, of Tilly and Amy fantastic. So in hindsight, yes, but in the moment, I was quite lucky that Rupert was such a selfish, uh selfish character (laughs) with big intentions of his own
1: can you remember any of the german lines you had
3: to say oh what was the one i had to say which was improvised oh god come on bloody hell no pressure no (laughs) no pressure no but come on remind me of one of them you must come on come on isabel (laughs) what was the one i added at at the end of that scene
2: uh, you said one time you said "Guten Morgen, Fräulein."
3: "Guten Morgen, Fräulein." Yeah, and then there was an there was another line at the end, I, and I added a line at the end, um, and they kept it, which I was which I was, and it basically was, um, oh, anyway, I can't yes. remember. I can't remember. I mean, I, I mean, I I know I was, I was saying he's very handsome. Oh, right at- Stratt- There we go. Str- <laughs> we got there <laughs> in the end. God, I tell you, if you'd asked me next week, I'd have remembered that. It's just that we're one—we're not even one week into the new year yet. So, I mean, that's my excuse.
2: <laughs> that's one of the favorite lines of all the the Williamites. We call them all yeah, well, the William fans because they call him stattlich. So.
3: He is—he is, he is statlish. Yeah, he is very statlish.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think, and I think a lot of people will agree that Rupert has this really incredible character development over the first season because oh. when you first see him he's so intimidated and timid by his mother and he he doesn't even look up when or, or speak up he's like a little child <laughs> next to her I mean there's even a difference in height between you when you sit on the sofa <laughs> and um And then he kind of grows up and he becomes more confident. And one of my favorite scenes is when he and Eliza sit in Eliza's drawing room and he puts his uh, feet up on the couch and they share a glass of sherry or brandy or whatever it is and um, talk about the possibilities of maybe a marriage of convenience between them. And he just looks so relaxed and confident. That's such a contrast to how we see uh, Rupert in the first um scenes of course Tilly destroys some of his (laughs) confidence but she's a German force of nature so I don't blame her yeah I don't know how that we know we know we know
3: we know another one of them don't we guys Uh (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about
2: (laughs) who could that be yeah Tilly's my spirit animal (laughs) um did I imagine, or did Rupert um give a bit of a flirtatious look to William in that oh, one scene?
3: I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but that's something well as we we just talked about statwich to me, so you know we just talked about what i what I said to him in German um so yeah, I mean yeah, he he i mean it it would it, it's a very dangerous dangerous thing to um to uh proposition a police officer in Victorian society oh. especially but um but yeah i think he was around Eliza and and that was in the proximity of Eliza's house i i, I feel like he was um yeah there was there was something my barriers were down at that point so mm. there was there was there was definitely Something in the writing that was, uh, yeah, he, he understand, he understands, uh, that the Duke is a, is, you know, as far as Victorian police officers go, one of the finer looking gentlemen. I'm sure Rupert understands that. <laughs> was that in the script or did you add that? Um, I mean, I mean, it, it was in the, I, I, cause I, I, I mean, there's two moments with the Duke. There's the scene with um Tilly and Hildegard and then there was the scene at the, at the window yeah um, and in both of them in both of them there was the potential of adding like uh yeah some nuance in there but yeah uh I can't remember who so there was both in the script and then maybe there was a moment where I maybe uh tipped, tipped my hat a little bit to to that so, yeah, a bit, bit of both.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Rupert's friendship with Eliza is such an important part of, um, the first season. Yes. And, uh, my other favorite scene is when, um, he shares his secret with her and then when she promises to keep it. I think that's the, the starting point of their real friendship and deep friendship that they have. Mm. Rupert is also the only one in the whole series that, uh, truly supports her. He never tells her, Oh, you can't do this because you're a woman. And of yeah. course, he invests in her business. The whole relationship between Rupert and Eliza comes up over so natural and genuine on screen. So we were wondering how much of that was in the script and how much uh, did you and Kate get to create?
3: Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's written in the script that he invests in her business and he, it's written in the script that they confide in each other and it's but um yeah, the beauty is that myself and Kate get to do that. So uh, we had fun doing that and um again, similar to how I uh how I spoke about Helen and my relationship as um as, as being her son, the same with Kate. She's so wonderful to work with and so open and so generous and so uh bloody Talented that, um, and then also just very lovely and approachable off screen. That you're that, yeah, you you find yourself, uh, feel, feeling very lucky when you're developing relationships as characters because, uh, yeah, it's 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 very easy work when she turns up on on set and is as receptive and open to ideas as as I am and as like you know, imaginative and her imagination goes it, was, it, it they both came together both of our imaginations came together and and whatever happened on set happened on set so but it's the writing and then and then yeah we do the rest and I'm lucky that you know off screen really helped and aided on screen uh and yeah there's some wonderful like a wonderful journey to play in the script and the, from the first scene to the very last scene we spent together it was a it was a joy and it's nice to see your friendship grow and um and develop on screen. That's the beauty of being in a TV show because you get to play somebody for, you know, eight eight hours rather than a two hour film.
1: Do you have any favorite memories of making season one?
3: Yeah, have any favorite memories of season one? Um the read through, the, the initial read through is wonderful. Um working with the costume department i've never turned up to a costume department and um had so much excitement <laughs> from them, which is wonderful about my character um filming an island in dublin specifically i really enjoyed going back there and just yeah just meeting friends really you know it's a nice thing about this job is you know i, I, I the cynical part of me as an actor sometimes thinks oh well, it's another job and, you know, I can't have I can't add any more friends to my phone book. But you went on this job. I ended up, you know, making so many new friends and so many special people who all turned up to make the series uh successful. And, um yeah, that's that's been really wonderful from this.
0: We sadly know that Rupert is not going to be a part of season two. But is there anything you would have liked to see in Rupert's future if he had continued?
3: Oh, God, no, that's just like... That's like uh, stabbing a, a a steak knife into my hand and asking <laughs> oh, me to take it out. Don't worry, um, us too. No, 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 no. Um, uh, is there anywhere I'd like to have seen him? Um, God, where is it? I mean, we always talk, myself and Kate always laughed and Stuart laughed about him going on, you know, being caught up in a case with her and maybe, you know, him being found out and covered up, um, his his sexuality being more sort of um, outed and then having to cover it or, you know, something like that. But, but to be honest, look, like there's a lot of actors who, who, um, who, do a series one of a show, okay? Everybody does season one and you take what you're given. And in season one, like everybody's like, oh, wow, have you seen that thing that happens to you? Have you seen that? And then you join a series in season two and almost sometimes actors can not start asking for things, but almost start to talk and have those conversations and fair fair enough if, you know, they want those chats. But I sort of fall under the bracket of as an actor, like I... I don't know maybe it's maybe it's the, the way I was brought up I sort of get what I'm given and I like to I like to do things as an actor that maybe encourages write, writers to write for me in a certain way but I feel like sometimes if I ask if I was to ask for something or 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 try and manifest something specifically then I'd probably end up disappointing or just maybe feel like I'm Taking away the beauty of performing a script. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I feel about first and second series. Sometimes it's like almost like actors see behind the scenes of, of a TV show. And then they go, well, I want something really interesting this season. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, why last year was a success and I didn't know anything that I was going to do that season, but it turned out fine. So I'm almost, yeah, that's almost my mentality a lot of the times, but maybe yeah. something you like to be to- surprised. Yeah, surprised. And also, like, it's, there's, no, there is nothing better, right? Than, and it happened on my first job out of drama school but I worked with an amazing writer and one of my favorite writers, Peter Balker on Monroe. And I, I was originally up for playing Jimmy Nesbitt's son in that season and then ended up being offered the part of a doctor and, and a regular on the show. And, and I remember not really speaking for many of the first episodes and I didn't really speak at all. And then in episode five, and I like to think, and Pete said you know it was maybe he was drunk or something, but he did say it was because <laughs> of what I did with what I had that he was very excited and and in episode five it was an episode based around my character and uh and another character um, in the show um and and that for me was the most exciting thing ever that somebody had noticed what I'd done in those in those episodes and and. I like to think if you're on the right job with the right talented writers, like Rachel is, and as I spoke about Pete, then they pick up on things and, and they play with things and they, they, they find, they get excited about writing for you. And I'd, pre- I'd much prefer them b- being excited about writing for me than telling them what to write. You know, that's, that's my, um, that's, that's what my thinking in my head is. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so thinking of your other roles kind of outside of of Rupert, um yeah. a lot of your characters have met a rather deadly end. And mm. um <laughs> we were just wondering if, if a death scene is something you've kind of gotten good at. <laughs>
3: oh god. Uh, I is think Isabel's
1: def- been keeping count.
3: Yeah, is it how many, Isabel? Uh well on screen six. Five <laughs> of you <laughs>
2: Five of your characters died six times. And a plus you know I, I, one I want, off screen.
3: A one off screen, yes. What was off screen?
2: Uh, Cuddler, when he was turned into a vampire.
3: <laughs> oh, yes, of course. And then staked as a vampire.
2: Yep. yeah. So burned and then staked. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then um,
2: Misfits. Um, he Misfits. died twice. <laughs> he was shot and then clopped to death. So,
3: yeah. resurrected god yeah that's six so i'm hoping by the end of this year to get into double figures oh yeah um is is death uh is death something i've mastered uh i'd like to i'd like to say um that maybe my death my death acting is getting better um but again i think the uh the best thing about dying is the trying to stay alive i like the trying to stay alive which makes for a better death um, so that's what I, that's what I work on, not the dying. The dying is, you know, keeping your eyes open or shutting your eyes and trying to stop breathing. It's actually technically quite difficult, The the, the enjoyable part is the trying to stay alive and then hoping that people, uh, respond <laughs> empathetically or, or hap- happily to your death. Um, that's the, that's the joy of death acting, I think, is the build up to it, the actual, the actual logistics of dying is often like, okay, can we get a shot now of Andrew not breathing? And, <laughs> and that's not fun. That's that's It's weirdly quite difficult to stop breathing and to make yourself look dead on camera. But um, I'll go over to Isabel to see if she thinks I'm good at playing dead. <laughs> Where's that wood acting that we were talking about? There we go. See, that's where the wood acting would come in handy. <laughs> Well the, it, well, the worst
2: watching it, the worst wasn't Black Mirror because they oh. added like a sound. Um, that's a spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't seen the episode, by the way. Mm. Um, they added a sound effect so you can hear your windpipe break. Ooh. And that's just horrible. Like, I can never watch. It. I mean, I'm traumatized by that scene and <laughs> I can never watch it again.
3: Oh my I God. I always
2: have to go in my head. Andrew's fine. Andrew's fine. Andrew's fine. <laughs> 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 oh, bless.
0: So several Tears have enjoyed your role as Ezra in Carnival Row Can you give us an insight as to what we can expect from him in season 2?
3: Um, well I think the last scene of me in season 1 was on the docks of um, the row actually, the, the bottom of the row watching my sister and uh, Agraeus Uh, leave on a boat so um, without giving too many spoilers away that um, should have some significance also I've been left alone without a sister for the first time in my (laughs) life with no um, uh, respected parents around Um, so yeah so things aren't looking too good for Ezra (laughs) in season 2 So you get Uh, into
0: a bit of a shenanigans or
3: well, you don't I, make I, I your probabl- bed. Probabl- can't- pu- you I- <laughs> eat pizza
0: at all hours.
3: Pizza, kind of- <laughs> eat pizza, yeah. The old, the old uh, <laughs> carnival, carnival slice of pizza, yeah. uh, delivered deli- deli- to my door this time. Uh, no, all, that's that's probably all I can say. But yeah, but that's that's where they left me at the end, and um, and yeah, it's uh, you know I'm excited for people to see it. Everybody's waited long enough. We've be you know we <laughs> yep. had to film it. At, yeah, we've had to film it over. Uh, multiple lockdowns and um
0: multiple was, years
3: you know, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and was you know was glad to go back and then also very happy to to finish and yeah. uh tie it up and i uh looking forward for people to seeing it this year i can say this year which is exciting oh that is exciting <laughs> yeah
2: are
0: they still like this year
2: yeah, I st- are they still doing the split season thing? Because Orlando Bloom said in one interview that they are going to split second season into parts. Do you know um, anything about that? I
3: couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't say about that. But um, oh. um, that's uh, that would that. Uh, I don't think I, the way it was the way it was put across to me. I don't think that might be the. Ca- I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. But who knows? Who okay. knows? I mean, right. you know, it took it took. Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised along, I've been surprised along the way with many jobs, so maybe things can change, but, um, I'd like to think that it'll all be handed over in one spoonful so people can binge. That seems to be the, the idea these days.
2: Yeah. Which is a shame. I like the old style, like one episode yeah. a week. Oh, not yeah. me. We
3: oh, one no.
0: bunch, please. <laughs> no,
3: I see, can't yeah. Take I'm, this waiting. <laughs> no, I'm, see, I'm terrible. I'm just terrible with watching things. I, I, I sort of, become a bit of a commitment phobe when it comes to series. I if there's too many episodes to watch, I I sort of back out a little bit and like, oh God, do I really want to do I really want to spend twelve hours? And then if I you know, that's the special thing. If you find something, I I'm I'm like you a little bit, Isabel, if something's playing one episode a week, then you'll you'll make the choice to tune in one episode a week. Um so it is a yeah, it's a different form this new binge style, and I still have to get used to it. Well, to me, that's different. It's more of a commitment to
0: spend twelve weeks as opposed to twelve hours. I could do that in like two days. Where yeah, you're gonna you want make me a, twelve
3: weeks? A, yeah, but you make a you make a date for yourself in the diary, don't you? Rather <laughs> sure. Than make a date <laughs> rather than make a day in the diary, and then. Stay in bed all day and watch. I mean, I've done it. I'm not saying I did it with (laughs) Get Get Back, the Beatles, uh, the Beatles documentary. I Peter Jackson. I I spent a whole day watching that. That's the that's Mm -hmm. the last thing, and that was um, was it worth it? Oh, absolutely worth it. Yeah, but the Beatles can have all of my. They have all of my time, the majority of days, so that's fine.
0: Same. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I'm right there with you. Fantastic. Yep.
2: So um, going back to your own work, <laughs> yes. Um, are there any new projects that you can, that you're working on that you can talk about? I know there's one that you can't talk about, yeah. um, but are there uh, any that you can?
3: Well, the, um, the thing that I can talk about, which is rather exciting, which I haven't spoken to you about, next week's time, uh, I'm going to be... Um, Announcing, well, just sharing finally is something I've been doing during the summer in Prague a lot and during lockdown. Um, and we touched on it at the beginning of this conversation of me gigging at the cabin. I'm finally going to be sharing some new music of mine, which is really so. Yeah. So I've basically (laughs) been up in Liverpool, um, with my Norwegian pal Webo, um, producing some work. And the plan is this year to finally, um, you heard it here first. (laughs) Is to finally, um, yeah, to finally get back into sharing my music, which is something I've always wanted to do, and I've got plenty in, in the in the uh, tank, as they say, uh, built up. And yeah, it's wonderful. We've been at an amazing uh, studio called Coastal Sounds in Liverpool. Um, For anybody who needs a good studio, go there. It's wonderful, and we've recorded some amazing live land sessions. Uh, which, yeah, I'm going to be dropping next week. And yeah, it's all going to be under the name Gustafsson, which is, uh, my, um, Swedish, my Swedish grandmother's, um, uh, surname. She came over to Liverpool with that surname and that's, that's got the, the pseudonym of, uh, of the band and, and the, the act and the music is going to come under the Gustafsson. And it's, yeah, I'm going to be dropping it hopefully early next week. And I'm really, really excited to oh, wow. share because it's something I've been yeah like chipping away at for a while and it's just yeah I think the pandemic was the thing that just said to me look I'm uh there's the age on my passport that's what I'm dealing <laughs> with and now I need to I need to uh put my music back out there again
0: Yay. uh and the
3: beauty of and the beauty of the the music I've done is it's very like the fact that it's been over sort of eight nine years of writing stuff it's 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 varied and uh I feel like I've got a lot to sort of share and tell, and um, yeah, really, really excited to show people that what we're doing, and and then also to share more um, later on in the year as well. And hopefully, be pushing for um, uh, an EP by the end of the year. Ooh. Well, I mean, we will definitely
1: Exciting. include that on the Scarlet Tears. Um, oh, fantastic! Definitely.
3: Yeah, definitely. Def- yeah, there we go. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll ask Rachel to. Um, to add it in in season two Rupert's Rupert's not there but you know maybe we could play one of his one of Andrew's songs (laughs) do you play an instrument I I I fumble around with a guitar but um but in in this um there's a lot of people who are better on um on instruments than myself so I am lucky that I've got many a good as I said my my Norwegian pal Webbo who who watched Miss Scarlet actually is a big fan of the show. Um he is kind of my go to and and then I've got some lovely uh yeah, just lovely pals back in from Liverpool who um who I collaborate with and who will hopefully be on the EP as well.
2: Woo-hoo. That is great news.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm so glad, yeah. I I mean it was it was it's nice timing actually because I was gonna I was gonna drop something this week, but it's just we're finalising this a couple of videos that are ready and then um and then there's just two we're waiting on which will be delivered next week and then they'll be going live on on, on my media, which as you know, uh Isabel, I don't really go on as much these days. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be tapping back on there and seeing what the the, the world has to say.
2: <laughs> um there is another project that you maybe can talk about.
3: Humpty Dumpty. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's an ongoing thing with myself and Stephen Walters. We um, we produced and Stephen directed and wrote me wrote a part for me in a thing called Humpty Fucking Dumpty. And um, we're now, you know, the script's been written. The um, the producers are on board, and now we are hopefully heading towards uh, yeah uh, making the feature film. Uh, we we have ideas for early this year and if you know COVID stays on our side and and whatnot then we'll be able to we'll be able to deliver you with some more news soon but the script's absolutely fantastic and if anybody hasn't seen the short check out the short it's on Com or on my Twitter pages and Instagram pages I think you'll find some links and yeah really proud of it and really excited to tell the the story of Tommy Quigley in the feature. Um, yeah, so more news to follow on that, hopefully all being well.
2: Uh, maybe because I think most of the scholars here aren't aware of what the film, the short film is about. So maybe yes. you can explain it a little bit.
3: Of course. Yeah. So it's the untold story of the Mersey beat. Um, it's about a singer called Tommy Quigley, who John Lennon, uh, we all know who John Lennon is named Tommy Quigley. Um, and he toured the world with the Beatles. He was one of five acts signed by the most legendary Beatles manager, Brian Epstein. Um, and at the age of 21, he went missing forever, never interviewed again. He had more money spent on him than the majority of Epstein's acts other than the Beatles, which includes like Jerry Marsden, Silver Black, Jerry and the Pacemakers, Um So yeah, and this story is basically telling what happened to Tommy quickly, what happened to this, um, this, uh, act who basically should have, should have made it big. And that's the, you know, the, the actor in me and the artist in me and the same with Stephen Walters. Uh, if you haven't checked out, actually, I need to say this, you haven't checked out Anne on BBC, on ITV with Stephen Walters in, you should all check that out. It's bloody marvelous. Um, he's the director and writer of, uh, Humpty fucking Dumpty. He, uh, both of us have been obsessed with this story about Tommy because Tommy is quintessentially, it could happen to anybody in the arts. The person who goes missing, the person who's stacking shelves in Tesco, who used to be on, you know, Coronation Street, whatever the, the downfall of this person in such an iconic era managed by Brian best friends with John Lennon this the these are the stories that um that we want to tell as as artists from Liverpool as an actor from Liverpool as a musician um I'm lucky that we've been able to write some original music for it we've also you know we also like I get to sing it's it's yeah a rather marvelous passion project and um yeah, and um, other things basically is that um it's a story very close to me because uh Tommy Quickly is is a relation of mine. Uh so which we've kind of kept a bit quiet, but um yeah, he's he's his um his mother is Dorothy Gower and I'm obviously Andrew Gower and she's a great aunt of mine. So it's a it's a real love passion project of mine and Stevens and um it's something that we're quite lucky to have hold of in, in, uh, in this world where you kind of get projects landing on your doorstep. It's really beautiful that myself and Steven have something that we're so passionate about together. and we will make it happen.
2: Yeah. And I'm so glad that you, you got the chance to make this because I know that from the beginning you had this plan to make a a full length feature film. Yes. And then it turned out into the short film, which is, by the way, it was
3: a, it was a documentary. It was a a documentary originally. Um, but we found out the story of Tommy is just too fascinating not to turn into drama. Um, documentary wouldn't have delivered much justice. It would have probably been too complicated to, to tell his story via documentary. So we decided to make it into a short form with then the idea of making it into a feature. And yeah, the short is available on humptyfilm.com. Uh, and it's also on my Twitter and on Stephen Walter's Twitter. Yeah, and I've on- seen the short yeah, film, it. <laughs> and it is brilliant, and it's worth watching. Oh, uh, Thank you.
0: Yeah. Every podcast, we ask the fans for questions about the topic. And so we asked fans, um, do they have any questions about the topic, Rupert or Andrew topic? So we have some fan questions. The first question is from Elizabeth Ann Bro. What sort of job or career do you think Rupert might have had, or how do you think he made his money?
3: Well, I think it's alluded to in in the um, in the drama that Rupert and his mother own properties, Um, whether they're inherited or whether they it's become a portfolio of properties from maybe my father. That was that was the decision that our creatives made um, that we are in property um and yeah that's that was that was my that was my way i sort of uh what's the word but that's the that's the background i gave rupert anyway it was was it was property and it was inherited wealth um maybe a large payoff from our father from his old profession but i i i my understanding was property good answer Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so the next one is from Heather Ward-McDonald, and she's asked, uh, when deciding on taking on a role, are there certain types of roles or characters that you're drawn to play?
3: Um, no certain type of role or character. No, it's, uh, it's just got to be a fantastic script. Um, with, And, you know, it's interesting because... You know, when you get older and you know from when I was t- to think back 12 years ago my the beauty of getting older and hopefully wiser or you know experiencing things in life and and going through life you get attracted to different things at different times and I think that's the beauty is you know how I feel to tomorrow will be different next year and that hopefully will be you know will be uh sort of genesis of what script comes my way and what I end up doing next is is always, I like to think based on how I feel at the time and whether a character resonates with me on the page. And then the rest is, uh, is history and that's where the hard work starts. Cool. Uh,
0: from Keelan Carol Daw, mark me, I love Andrew Gower and I first saw him as Bonnie Prince Charles in Outlander. What do you get recognized for more, Outlander or Miss Scarlet? Or is there something else?
3: Uh, I always worry when people recognize me for Bonnie, Prince, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I worry. I'm like, God, I must be having a really bad day if people recognize me for that kind of <laughs> um, What do I get recognized for more? Do you know what? I'm really lucky, really, to be honest. Um, and I don't know whether it's because of the characters I play or... Certain wigs or certain looks or certain physicality that I, I, I don't, you know, there's not, there's not one specific job that I get recognized for the most. It varies. And I'm quite lucky that I can still walk down the street, get myself a, an oat milk flat white and a loaf of bread mm-hmm. and, and go about my business and, and prep my characters in public. Because, you know, maybe the day when if it ever did happen, <laughs> when if it ever did happen, where I was recognized on a day to day basis, I, you know, you'd have to change, change a lot of stuff and live life a, a little bit differently. So it's a, it's a blessing that, you know, there's, there's not one main character that stands out. Um, and I'd like to keep it that way.
2: Um, and then we have a question from a special fan. <laughs> and cool. he knows that, um, I always ask this question to every actor who's worked with you or any person who's worked with you. It's like my standard go-to question, whether I meet them at a con, at the stage door, or, uh, interview them. Yeah. And, um, he says, like, have you ever asked Andrew this question? And I said, no, I didn't. So here he goes. Declan O'Dwyer wants Go. to know how it's working with Andrew Gower. <laughs> oh my
3: God. How is it working with myself? Well, you better make sure you have Earl Grey T on set. Cause if you're oh, going, you're good yeah, there we go. Um, how's it working with myself? Oh, God. Um, ask my poor mother. She's, she's had to work with me for the past <laughs> years of my life, many, many years, but much longer than 12 years. Um, but working with me, hopefully, you know, um, I might make you laugh one, one time a day. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I sometimes don't shut up and other times, uh, um, I can be really quiet. So <laughs> working with me is, God, that's a really good question. I feel like working with me, I feel like I'm in therapy here, actually being asked that <laughs> question. And how uh, do you feel myself. about that? How do I feel? How do you feel working with yourself? <laughs> um, thank you for that question, Declan. Um, <laughs> I'll, ju- I'll just say, I'll just say it's a work in progress. There we go. There it's you a go. work in go. Pro- working with me is a work in progress. That's my answer.
2: Very good. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you. Yeah.
1: And I just have one question which comes from my husband
3: oh. because
1: he is also an Evertonian like yourself.
3: He's like a poor, <laughs> poor man. I feel for him. <laughs> I really he will feel al- for him.
1: He will always say it's the hope with Everton that will kill you.
3: Kill um, what's, what's your husband's name? Tony. Tony. Tony, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm giving you a virtual hug with my voice. <laughs>
1: He was very excited that you are an Everton fan. And he was like, you're going to talk to an Everton fan. And I was like, (laughs) yes, I am.
3: I actually feel sorry for you, Lindsay, as well as, you know, probably more than Tony.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, Everton, kind of their their standard of play at the minute. Mm, Yeah.
3: I hope you have a large cupboard in your house.
1: There was a lot of chocolate eaten over Christmas, I have to say. (laughs) Um, but he, he would, after a few questions, I was like, I cannot ask that. Um, he would like to know what has been your favorite game to go and see at Everton, at Goodison Park.
3: Oh, I mean, bar the European nights, which feel like a distant memory when, you know, um, I was at, it was a terrible game in this, in the, in the grand scheme of things, but the atmosphere during the Fiorentina game was bloody marvelous. But the one that sticks out, is our um, and these are also a rarity, unfortunately. Is when we beat Liverpool three uh, nil at home, and it was uh, goal from Tim Cahill and two goals from Andy Johnson. And I was, I still to this day feel like I started a chant. Andy Johnson had just joined Everton, and my uh, my mother's husband Chris was there uh, was determined that I started the chant of. Duh, doo, 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 Andy Johnson, um, uh, b- which because I remember hearing it from Crystal Palace, he used to sing it. Um, it sounds a bit better in in Goodison Park than da 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 But But yeah, that was that was my that was my favourite game, probably that sticks out in my head because it's a rarity that Everton beat Liverpool. It's a rarity that we're better than Liverpool, and that day yeah was just bloody marvellous. And yeah, and feels like a a distant, distant memory. Um but you know they what well, you know what they say, if you're uh if you're married married to an Evertonian then you're definitely gonna experience the ups and downs in life and you know somebody is um gonna stick with you through adversity. So yeah, you'll you've obviously got a very lucky man though, Lindsay, because he's used to you know, he's he's gonna be with you for better and for worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely used to the doubt. He did say yeah. it was it was sorry for you because you missed watching them playing during the eighties when they were very yeah,
3: good. Yeah, I you've probably all about never that.
1: seen them when they've been playing at their best.
3: No, that's yeah, that's if you know your history. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
3: yeah, that's uh, that's something I yeah I long for. Um, but, um, yeah, it makes me deal with rejection well. So I'm an actor, and you deal <laughs> with a lot true. of rejection. You deal with a lot of rejection in in acting. People don't see it. Um, but Everton supporting Everton again, this is a nice way to close this chat. Um, from football, uh, similarities between being an actor and supporting Everton is, is, uh, is quite marvelous and it prepares you for rejection. So there we go. Well, we started it
0: with you wanted to play football and got into <laughs> acting. And then now we've come full circle to that's yeah, that still the same you.
3: Exactly. We Ooh, went round like the shape. shape like the yeah, we went round like the shape of a football, didn't we?
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> it's mm. almost like we planned it.
3: It is, it is almost. <laughs> like we planned
0: it. Anyway, Andrew, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming to talk to us with this podcast. We had so much fun and we hope you yeah. did
3: too. Yes, thank you so much for having me, and I wish you guys all the best with uh, future episodes of this. Thank Um, you. And happy new year. Happy new year.
0: Happy Happy new year Year to you too. And join us next time for we're not sure what the topic is, but we promise you a great time. So thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to this Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin MacLeod. Incomentech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by attribute 4.0, license. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.